And this is Encounter with God as we get into our Bible study and we look at the book of Acts. Join 20 million other people around the world all studying the book of Acts at the same time today. Yes, I put up the uh, the picture and the link where you can get a copy of your uh, study guide if you would like one um, on all our socials. It's on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And... Um, one of our Facebook followers, uh, Park Kettle, goes by the name of Park Kettle. Good on you, Park Kettle. Actually uh, put up the link, uh, a comment underneath the picture uh, with where you can download the study guide for free. There you go. Yeah, thanks, Park Absolutely. Kettle. And if you'd like to, uh, of course, um, study this uh, subject in a small group setting, just attend any Adventist church on a Saturday morning at mm-hmm. 9.30, 10 o'clock thereabouts. Yep, yep. And there'll be a small group Bible study happening right there. Yeah, and if you come to Maitland, you might get a free waffle breakfast beforehand. Oh, hey. yeah. I'm so down for this. Okay, we've got we to we set a date for this and we've got to uh, yeah. make it happen. You tell me when, I'll bring the waffles. All right, I shall find you a date. Okay, cool. Now. A date, will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about the implications of that. Uh, let's not talk about my singleness <laughs> maybe on the radio, not, huh? Maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> okay, let me tell you another clue for our quiz. Notice how I changed the subject there? Okay, this is the... Uh, oh, hang on, where am I up to? Maybe I should just announce your categories for uh, potential, you know? <laughs> Come on now, 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 now. <laughs> we, could, we could find you somebody online. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> How do radio hosts find love? Let me just put out an announcement. No, okay. I'm going to give you the fourth clue for this What Book Am I quiz. Okay. Uh, P.S. All the clues are already up on Instagram. So if you wanted to check them out and get them all, you can do that. Okay. I contained six chapters and was authored by the Apostle Paul. Oh, that's getting closer now. Mm. How many books did Paul write? Um, I don't know. A bunch. Yeah. Yeah. But check it, check them all out. Find out which one has six chapters. And, yeah, we can maybe uh, give you the prize. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. 1-800-324-843 if you know the answer. And we will send you out the prize today. There you go. Okay, so we have uh, the book of Acts that we are studying today. And as we get into the book of Acts, we are still in Acts chapter 1. We're talking about the events that took place just before the day of Pentecost. So Pentecost is about to happen, but what was the preparation? How did the what what was actually happening in the lead up to that particular event? Okay, so we read yesterday about Acts chapter one, uh, verse I think it was nine through eleven. The the um, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Let's go back over here very quickly, and I want you to go back, Mon, and we're just going to backtrack a tad. Acts chapter one, verse seven and eight. Acts chapter 1, 7 and 8 says, He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so there's a very simple formula that is given here, or implied, I should say. Take the gospel to the whole world, and then uh, Jesus is coming back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would have excited the disciples. And of course, you've got the parallel of this in Matthew chapter twenty-four. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter twenty-four, and if you could read for us verse fourteen, Matthew twenty-four and verse fourteen. Actually, I'll read this one here. It says, "And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then the end will come." 
Okay, so there's a there's a there's a condition here to the preaching of the gospel. And of course, Paul preached. Uh, Paul spoke about how that you know the gospel had been preached to every creature under heaven in his lifetime. Um, possibly um, not because he possibly didn't know about Australia and some other countries like that. But mm-hmm. to his knowledge, the gospel had gone everywhere. Everyone had at least heard about Jesus in his lifetime. And so if I place myself in the position of the disciples at this particular period, I would have seen the return of Jesus Christ as being imminent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's an implication here. It almost feels like there's an implication. It's like, okay, do this and I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, great, we've got a job to do. Yep. Um, that's a very daunting job. We're going to talk about just how daunting it is in just a moment. But we've got a job to do, so let's get out and uh, and, and do this job. Um, and so as a result of that, you know, be thinking, okay, a few more years and Jesus will be back and they'd be super excited yeah, about it. Yeah, they would have been quite inspired if they thought to themselves, as soon as we get this done, Jesus can come back. And, um, and you know, I would have been like way inspired. I'd be like, yeah, i just got to get this done. I've got to knock this down and then Jesus will be back. I would have been so, you know, just on fire thinking that, you know, it'd only be a few years to do this. Ah, oh, you know, world's not that big. I can tell everyone quickly about Jesus. It seems to be a massive news at the moment. Who hasn't heard about Jesus right. right now? Yeah. 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 And, and uh, is there any implication in the passage here? Did Jesus in any way, shape at all imply that it's going to be a couple of thousand years? No, he doesn't. No. No. Does he even imply it's going to be a long time? Nope. No, it feels like it's going to be short. Do you think he's being deceptive? No, because I'm sure for him it doesn't feel like that long. <laughs> yes. In the context of eternity, it's like six seconds. Yeah, Our yeah. 6,000 worlds is like blink and it's gone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but but he, he under, he's been a human being. He knows what it's to be like to be a human being. Mm-hmm. And he knows that for us it would be a long time mm. and that you and I 2,000 years down the track would possibly be tempted to think, has he forgotten? Mm. So why do you think he didn't give us a bit of a time frame? I mean, I think human nature would be like, if we knew exactly when Jesus was coming, we'd be like, oh, I can be a horrible person. I can sin all I want. I can do all the bad things I want to do. And then like maybe like a month or two before Jesus comes, I'll get my act together because I know when he's coming. So I know, you know, when crunch time is. It's like, it's it's procrastination at its best just you know you may, remember when you were in college and you had that assignment and you knew when the due date was so you didn't do anything until the night before and that's when you do the whole thing so, <laughs> you can't really call that studying and you can't really call that that a relationship get, with god and then get halfway through it and realize that you weren't going to get it finished on time so yeah just go fishing instead <laughs> Oh, is that how you got through school, Lyle? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Panic, 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 panic. Yeah, not going to make it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm not going to make it. If I'm going to fail this one, fail it spectacularly. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's you know that's not a relationship with God. God is a relational God, and He wants Absolutely. to have a relationship. That's not moral. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if a, um, a man and a woman were thinking about getting married, and so they, you know, he knew when the wedding date was, and decided, you know what, I'm not going to talk to her for like the two years leading up to the wedding, I'll talk to her like the week before and see if we can quickly create a relationship that's, you know... Yeah, I'm just going to sleep around and be with lots, lots of other women in the lead up to it. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. No, it doesn't yeah. work like that. It doesn't work like that. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so Jesus has um, not given us a date, but Paul actually addresses this particular issue. If you go over to First uh, Thessalonians, because First Thessalonians, Paul is talking all about the second coming. Uh, sorry, Second Thessalonians. 
And we are going to read uh, verse 1 and 2. Of chapter 1? Yep. This letter is from Paul, Silas and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Was that that was chapter one, verse one and two? Oh, I thought you said chapter one. Did I? Didn't I meant chapter two, verse one and two. Okay, <laughs> before you read chapter two, before you read chapter two, mm-hmm. uh, we have David Brown on the show. Our court has called in, and he has an answer to the quiz. David, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Are you there? Yes. Got Hi, you, David. David. Yep. Um, the book. The book that you're after today is the book of Ephesians. You are a hundred percent correct, David. Congratulations and good job. Uh, yeah, the, the, bit, the bit about the, the armor. That's what gets, that's found in um, chapter six, verses of um, eleven to sixteen. That's what gave it away. Nice. Uh, I was good about work. to. I was about to ask which one of the clues that it was that uh, gave it away. But uh, well done, David, and congratulations for winning today's quiz. And we have a prize coming your way. Yes, we're going to send you a Soyan Eastern album that'll be in the mail for you shortly. Okay then. Have a good day, David. Fantastic. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. It is. That's so cool. Yay. Congratulations. Our quiz has gone away. It is indeed the book of Ephesians. Do you know what? He had a jump. He he was listening to the um to the Instagram page. Oh, so yeah, that's how he knew because the next the next clue to go on air was going to be the armor of God is listed in my sixth chapter. But that's already on Instagram. So yeah, our social media rights are getting yes. are getting in ahead of our listeners. So if you, you want to listen, you can go to our Instagram, which is Faith FM Live. That's our handle. It's all lowercase and one word. And of course, our Facebook is Faith FM Australia, and our Twitter is also Faith FM Live. So you can check those out. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so we were talking about this uh, whole concept here, and we read the wrong verses. We read the wrong verses. <laughs> and I was multitasking while you were reading, so <laughs> I didn't even realize you were reading the wrong verses until I got to the end. I'm like, wait a minute, she didn't read the part that I wanted to read about. Okay, it sounded of. nice. So, Did. Second Th- Thessalonians, chapter two. Chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. That's right. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation or a letter supposedly from us. Okay. So what is Paul telling everybody to do here? He's like telling them not to be so easily shaken or alarmed, I guess, fooled by people who say that, that the Lord is already back. Or about to be already be back. About to already be back, yeah. 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 And then he goes on to say, you know, let no man deceive you by any means in verse 3. Mm-hmm. That day will not come except, basically, uh, uh, paraphrasing it, the Antichrist comes first. And so, in, a se- in essence, what he's saying is, hey, there's a whole bunch of prophecy here yeah. yet to be fulfilled. Yeah, he's, he's basically pointing back to Scripture. He's saying, you know, we have to look for the signs that Jesus said what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Okay, so we have uh, this uh, Paul telling people to, uh, you know, to, to become students of the Bible mm-hmm. and to understand exactly what it is about in relationship to the return of Christ. But if we go back to the disciples here, Jesus has just ascended into heaven, and I imagine in their minds, 
they were very, very keen to see him come back and they're probably thinking, well, you know, maybe a few days, a few weeks, whatever it takes Mm -hmm. um, and Jesus will be back, maybe underestimating the level of persecution and difficulty and challenge that was lying ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think as they began to get together in that upper room and to pray, I think that was when it really sort of hit them just what, just the, 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 the magnitude of the commission that Christ had actually given to them. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, but at the same time, it had been quite heartening because like we said yesterday, all his biddings are enablings. And so being given such a great work, but, being, but knowing that God has given them everything they need to be able to do it, would have been quite a phenomenal experience, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. Mon, if you could read that for us, please. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, <clears throat> when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Okay, so there's a gathering here. And what are they uniting to do after being on the Mount of Olives and seeing Jesus ascend into heaven? Pray. Okay, and what are they praying for? Mm, let me see. Does it say? Does it say? It doesn't say. Okay, what was the, what was the subject of the last, the previous discussion they had in the upper room. It was uh, the Great Commission. No, I'm sitting in the upper room. Oh, in the upper room. Yeah. Oh, wasn't that the Last Supper? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And what were the disciples talking about in the Last Supper? Who's going to be the greatest? <laughs> okay, so my question is, <laughs> has anything changed between the Last Supper and now? Yeah, huge change. All right. First they're squabbling over who's going to be the biggest in the kingdom, and now they're humbly praying. Do you think that there was a few things that needed to be made right? Yes. Yeah. So I think there's probably more than just praying that is going on here. I mm-hmm. think there is a time of prayer, mm-hmm. confession, making things right, forgiveness, uh, yep. forgiveness, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and an experience that is bringing unity into their ranks. Do you think that's important if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to make wrong, uh, make right our wrongs, and <clears throat> be forgiven and ask for forgiveness and set things right again? I think it's absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, the minister's retreat that we just had just uh, recently, that there was an experience very similar to this and, you know, very, very powerful when these kinds of events take place. Okay, wow. Um, I know I've been in several times when, you know, the Holy Spirit has begun to move and one person after another then starts to stand up and say, hey, you know, I need you to forgive me for this or I need to, I need you to pray for me over this or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, confessions are made and then people give their lives to God and people are baptized and it's just a, just a really, really powerful experience mm-hmm. when these kinds of things happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just... just um, and I think people would probably uh, feel quite free after getting that stuff, you mm. know, letting it go, letting those grudges go. And What do you think it was that made the difference? I upper room, uh, sorry, uh, last supper till now. Uh, well, I mean, I think that the most obvious thing is that they've witnessed their Jesus being crucified. Okay, the crucifixion yeah. is the obvious answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's another really big answer here that is maybe slightly less obvious. Really? The bigness mm. of the commission. Okay. All right, so when you don't have anything to do, 
Mm-hmm. You think about this. When you don't have anything to do, it is very, very easy to see other people's faults. Mm-hmm. And it's true. very easy to talk about those faults and it's very easy for those faults to then become big issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you have a massive project on, mm-hmm. you don't have time for that. That's right. Yeah. You know, the, the, all of that small petty stuff just goes out the window. I had an experience one time when I was pastoring a church plant and uh, this was quite some years ago and there was some people who came to that church plant and they wanted to create all kinds of division over all kinds of every tiny issue that came up became a mountain and and, and it had to be a massive issue and it was just, it was starting to tear the church apart. Mm-hmm. And so I addressed the issue. And I addressed the issue with the individuals who were um, who were perpetrating this, mm-hmm. and it was a very sharp conflict, I should say, mm-hmm. um, in which they told me under no certain terms that they were going to leave the church and they were going to take certain members with them and that they were going to destroy the church and they were going to destroy me and they were going to put me out of the ministry and so on and so forth. Wow. Yeah, it was one of those you know very, very difficult situations. So you can imagine how that hit our church plant. Mm. You know, there's a church plant of like 20 people and you get five or six of them that just sort of up and leave mm-hmm. um, under very bitter circumstances. And uh, immediately after that, we had a major outreach project. And one of the things that I feared at the time was how can we go into a major outreach project when there is this much conflict in the church mm. and when a quarter of the church has just disappeared? Yeah. But you know what? It was that major outreach project that saved that church. Oh, really? Absolutely, because suddenly everybody had a big project on their hands. Suddenly everybody was busy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we had a lot to do in a short space of time, and this was a project that went for five days per week for an entire month. Mm -hmm. Wow. Every member was busy. No one was left out. Every member had a job to do. And by within four weeks, all the conflict had been forgotten. It had actually become a dusty memory just in four weeks. Wow. Too busy to be squabbling, eh? Yeah, too busy to be squabbling. And it pulled that church, it united that church. And, uh, you know, some of, my, some of my best friends came to that program. They were, you know, non-believers um, in God or in the Bible. And, you know, they gave their hearts to God. You know, I, I didn't, I, I met them at the program, didn't know them before that program, but some, they're some of my best friends now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Holy Spirit was poured out in a very powerful way. And I've got to tell you, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Oh, you know, wow. sometimes you, you go through it and you think, wow, why does God let me go through something like this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you come out the other side and it's like, okay, now I understand it. Makes sense now. You know, God was at work here and, as strange as it might seem if I had my time over again, mm-hmm. I'd do exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't change it. The refining fire that God puts us through sometimes, it, makes, it teaches us lessons and it makes us into, you know, into better people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, praise God. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned <laughs> that because I do remember when I went to Bible college, that was one thing that we were taught. They said if you're working in a church and there's division in the church and there's you know, infight and that kind of thing, best thing you can do. Get them all involved in a big outreach project. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't try and fix the problems. You That's can't. It. Yeah. Um, fixing problems is like playing whack a mo. You know. <laughs> you whack one and one pops up somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you can do that for your entire ministry. And if you're in a church that you know is a is a conflicted church, there's a lot of conflict in the church. Then this is something that you need to consider: is that you are never going to make that get that church ready for outreach. Mm. 
Yeah. Do the outreach mm-hmm. and it will fix the problems in your church. Yeah. It'll be a way of preparing them. You know, I've often heard, oh, my church is not ready for outreach yet. We've got to sort this out. We've got to sort that out. And we've got to sort the others out. And we've got this conflict. Well, that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. While ever you are focusing on the conflict. That's right. Yeah. Focus on souls. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, when people see other people that are struggling in, in, in their lifestyle, they're struggling with addictions, they're struggling to give their lives to Jesus Christ, they're struggling with, you know, with just getting their life together, all of our problems suddenly become very, very minor in comparison. And when we get busy helping them, we don't have time for internal conflict. Amen. We're going to have a song. This is Nathan Young, The Language of Canaan. And we'll be back after that with part three of our encounter with God. We're going to continue looking through the book of Acts. Talk in the language of Canaan. I could tell a little of the glory of a better world. Oh, that I could talk in the language of things the Lord showed me of heaven I cannot describe. I saw there tables of stone in which the names of the multitude of the redeemed were engraved in letters of gold. After we beheld the glory of the temple, we went out and Jesus left us and went into the city. Soon we heard his lovely voice again saying, Come, my people, you have come out of great tribulation and done my will, suffered for me. Come in to supper, for I myself will serve you. We shouted, Alleluia, glory, and entered into the city. And I saw a table of pure silver. It was many miles in length. Yet our eyes could extend over it. I saw the fruit of the tree of life, the manna, almonds, figs, pomegranates, grapes, and many other kinds of fruit 
Jesus said, You must go back to earth again and relate to others what I have revealed to you. Then an angel bore me gently down to this dark world. Sometimes I think I can stay here no longer. All things of earth look so dreary. I feel very lonely here, for I have seen a better land. You're listening to Nathan Young, The Language of Canaan, here on Faith FM. And we are in the middle of our Bible study, and we are not going to give you another clue for the quiz because David Brown has already snapped it up. It's David gone. David Brown snapped it up. Good job, David Brown. Very proud of you. Snapped it up off of uh, social media. Mm, yes, it was a book of Ephesians, and he got it off the clue that was on social media. So good the on you. one him. about the armour of God. You should all know mm. that the armour of God is in the book of Ephesians. Everybody should know that. Well, they know now. Yeah, they do. Okay, so let's talk about the people that were in the upper room, Mon. Yep. Who was in the upper room? The disciples. Uh, Give us a list. Okay, so there was Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, the other James, Simon, Judas, the son of James. And then there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. There you go. Mm. Let's go to Mark chapter 3. Matthew, Mark. And we will read verse 31. Mark chapter 3 and verse 31. 31 to 34. Hang on a sec. My my Bible pages are sticking together. Sometimes they do that. So 31 to 34, you say? Yeah, why not? Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Then he looked, around at the, he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does this, does God's will, is my brother and sister and mother. 
Okay, so this is an interesting situation. How do you think that you would have felt if your if your brother treated you like that? Yeah, pretty offended, to be honest. Hmm. If I went to see him and he was like, nah, you're not my sister. All my sisters are in here. I'd be like, what? But everyone's my sister. Yeah. Yeah, so was, okay, okay, so do you think Jesus was trying to be offensive here? What was Jesus trying to do? No, I don't think he was trying to be offensive. I think he was talking about the family of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was definitely illustrating what it means to be a part of the family of God and how that anyone can be a part of the family of God, no question about that. And I think that, you know, in this particular account, we don't get the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why it um, sounds uh, or feels to be a little more offensive Mm-hmm. Than what actually happened because I don't you know Jesus obviously wasn't a, was not an offensive kind of a person, but it does seem like there was a bit of friction between Jesus and his brothers, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly understandable from a number of perspectives. Number one, Jesus was perfect. It would be hard to live with a perfect person as an imperfect person. Yep. And number two, well, brothers and sisters and. Do you know how that goes? I grew up in a family yeah, with a brother. Bit and of we, rivalry, we bit of squabbling. To, we used to fight. Used to yep, happen. Yep, did indeed. Okay, so let's go over to John chapter 7. And I'd like you to read for me verse 5, please. John chapter 7 and verse 5. My pages. I, maybe my fingers have turned to bananas or my pages are all sticking together. One or the other this morning. John chapter 7 and verse 5 says, For even his brothers didn't believe him. Okay, so here we find that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. That would be a little bit hard for your family not to believe in you, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be a bit sad. But something has changed, hasn't it? Absolutely. I was a bit surprised when we read who was in that upper room praying when I saw Jesus' brothers were up there. Because from what I remember reading in the Bible about them, they were didn't believe him, You know, a lot of contention going on. So, uh, yeah, I was quite surprised that we were in there. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, uh, where did they come from? Who, uh, you know, how, how does Jesus have brothers? From Joseph's previous marriage, right? This is an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the entire answer to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing in the Bible about that. Oh, really? Is yeah. this a presumption? It's a presumption. Well, it's a presumption based on uh, the Roman Catholic teaching that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a virgin her entire life. Mm-hmm. And so even, you know, she'd never had um, sexual relationships with Joseph before the birth of Jesus. And then the Roman Catholic Church teaches that she never, ever, ever had sexual relationships with anybody. Even after the birth of Jesus, she never had and she never slept so with Joseph. So she died a virgin. So she died a virgin. Uh, because it's, it's based on the, uh, the mistaken assumption that there is... Um, Purity in virginity that um, is somehow honourable, even if you are married. Yeah, that's silly. So, but so I and have so been then, living a Catholic so then if, myth. If 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 if, um, if Mary had always been a virgin, then the only option for Jesus to have brothers would be through a previous marriage that Joseph may have had. So I've been believing a Catholic myth, essentially. Well, not necessarily. There are some implications there, and there's every possibility it's true. But it's also possible true that these are his younger brothers, Younger right? brothers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course it's possible. So he was the eldest, and there was yeah. just more born after that, which yeah. would make Sexual perfect sense. Sexual relationships within the marriage covenant, uh, there's nothing more pure than that. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, Mary was a pure woman, so, you know, praise God, why not? Yeah, why do I, I just, for some reason, just assume that they were always his older brothers. I don't know why. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, be that as it may, we find this instance where 
they did not believe in him, but we find that that changes somewhat, don't we? Yes, very much Even so. to two of those brothers becoming authors of the Bible. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. What do they write? James wrote the book of James oh. and Jude wrote the book of Jude. Okay. They oh, were Jesus' brothers. I didn't know that. Yeah. James and Jude, how about that? James and Jude, brothers of Jesus. I would have felt and that. And of course, James this. later became um, the head of the church, took over from Peter. Mm-hmm. You'll find that in Acts chapter 15 where they have the Jerusalem Council. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's James who's in charge of the church. Wow. Yeah. So at one stage, one of the brothers of Jesus was in charge of the church. How about that? We should have used that for our Bible quiz for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, maybe we, maybe Can't we anymore. should. <laughs> Name the brothers of Jesus. Tell us which one um, became a uh, head of the church at some particular point. And they were there also with his mother in the upper room as well. Indeed. Indeed. So his mother was there. The Bible mentions quite a few women that were there. And uh, this is important and significant because it shows that Christianity begins off, you know, not just as a, uh, you know, a man thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody is getting together. Everybody who has been convicted by the Holy Spirit is getting together to, convicted by the words of Jesus, is getting together to pray for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a change taking place, and it's good to see that um, at some point, we don't know exactly when, um, Jesus' brothers came to see a difference in him. Okay, so we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7. 15 and verse 7. And uh, we'll look at some of the things that made a difference here for the brothers of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7 says, Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Okay, so notice here that when Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus, he highlights the fact that when Jesus came back from the dead, he visited one of his brothers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It seems that uh, Jude was a younger brother because, you know, when he introduces his book and he's like, yeah, I'm the brother of James. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's a bit... uh, a bit pretentious, I guess, to say I'm the brother of Jesus, yep. but because James was, you know, somebody who had been the leader of the church at one stage, it's like, yeah, okay, if you're wondering who I am, this is who I am. I'm the brother of James. That's enough to say, yeah, I'm the brother of a former leader of the church, but I'm also the brother of Jesus without being, you know, pretentious yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a, a name polite dropping. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you, you want people to know who you are, but you don't want to come across sounding like a... A, a, a mm-hmm. name dropper. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we find that they are gathered together here in the upper room and they spend this time in constant prayer. And as it turns out, there ends up being about 120 people in this upper room wow. praying for the Holy Spirit. And if you think about that, that's you know, it's a, a substantial a, amount of people. It's, a, it's, a, it's an average-sized church, I guess. Mm-hmm. And from that group of 120 people, the entire world has been impacted. In fact, Nothing has impacted humanity more than that group of 120 people there. That's what can happen under the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for it throughout this day. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus says the Lord Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus Just to trust His cleansing blood And in simple 
be more forgiving, a program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness, a relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. All the chisels I've dulled carving idols of stone That have crumbled like sand neath the waves I've recklessly built all my dreams in the sand Just to watch them all wash away Through another day, another trial, another chance to reconcile To one who sees past all I see And reaching out my weary hand I pray that you'd understand You're the only one who's faithful to me All the pennies I've wasted in my wishing Well I have thrown like stones to the sea I have cast my lots, dropped my guard, searched aimlessly For faith to be faithful to me Through another day, another trial, another chance to reconcile To one who sees past all I see And reaching out my weary hand, I pray that you'd understand You're the only one who's faithful to me You're the only one who's faithful to me Welcome back, and it is Q of the Day time, and we're going straight into Q of the Day because... 
there's no quiz because David Brown, congratulations. He snapped up with the correct answer of Ephesians and uh, we'll be sending him the prize. Now, Lyle, the question has come in and it's actually um, coming yesterday and we were putting it up on our socials so people are going to have a look at it mm-hmm. and tune in to find out what the answer is. The question is, how should Christians respond when someone claims to be Jesus reincarnated? The answer is with compassion. Okay. Okay, so shouldn't go in there with guns blazing and... No, we should respond with compassion and then make sure that they are on their medication. <laughs> okay, I see. Um, so, yeah, I have. there have been occasions when I have met people who have claimed to be God or have claimed to be Jesus Christ and uh, universally they have been people who are suffering from a mental illness, mm-hmm. um, usually some form of schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And so in that kind of a situation, you do want to make sure that they are... Um, you know, up to date on the medication that their case manager is, you know, got them sorted out and they're all in good shape. It's not a good idea to obviously go in with guns blazing in this kind of a situation because very rarely will you find somebody making these kinds of claims who isn't suffering some kind of mental illness. Now they do exist. Yeah. And so we do have Jesus and Mary Magdalene living up on the Gold Coast. Um, we've got Christ and Antichrist living in Florida, both the same person, by the way. Oh. Um, I agree with the Antichrist bit, not the Christ <laughs> bit. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and several others around the world. These are not people who are mentally ill. These are people who are highly intelligent mm-hmm. um, and have found a very effective way of raising followers and you know, money and so forth. And access to women, usually. And access to women, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so... Uh, in that kind of a situation, then, yeah, feel free to go hard and show them what the Bible says. So if we turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, and I had an interesting occurrence once where I was studying the Bible with a young lady and we started to talk about the second coming of Jesus and she said, oh, that's already happened. He's already here. Oh. And I'm like, oh, really? I haven't seen him anywhere. And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he came in 1914. 1914? She'd been studying with our Jehovah's Witness friends. Oh, Okay. And uh, I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still haven't seen him anywhere. She's like, yeah, yeah, it was a secret coming. Hi- highly convenient. Yeah, very convenient that he should come in secret so no one can see him and no one knows that he's here. <laughs> so we can't have any evidence of him or question him or talk to him about it. Um, anyway, if we go to Matthew chapter 24 and let's read here in verse 24. And this is the fourth time that Jesus has repeated this warning. It says, For there will arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So Jesus is not talking about mental, mentally ill people here. Mm. He's talking about very powerful, influential, intelligent people um, who are under the influence of the supernatural, mm-hmm. but not the good part of it, mm-hmm. the evil part of it. He goes on, he says, Behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, don't go there. Behold, he is in the secret place, don't believe that. Mm-hmm. In other words, if they say, Look, Jesus is here, and he, or he's there, or he's somewhere else, uh, don't believe it. And so this young lady, I'm like, she was sharing with me, I'm like, Well, unfortunately, I don't believe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Really? Why not? I read her this first, and she was like, Oh. Yep. Don't think she ever went back to the Jehovah's Witness after that. Yeah. If- but anyway. Um, one in verse 27 it says for as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even under the west so shall also the coming of the son of man be when Jesus comes back every eye will see him the Bible says from horizon to horizon 
If you have a question, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, and we will use it as question of the day and answer it live on air. What heavenly music stills over the sea Entrancing the senses like sweet melody Tis the voice of the angels born soft on the air For me they are singing their welcome I hear Longing, I stretch forth my hand. Send a convoy of angels, dear Jesus, I pray. Let me join that sweet music. Come take me away. Permit the wild surges I'll brave For that heavenly music hath ravished me so I must join in that chorus I'll go, let me go I must join in that chorus I'll go Let me go What heavenly music stills over the sea? Welcome back. That was uh, Matt Minicus with What Heavenly Music here on Faith FM. And oh, we're giving something away. Yes, it's that something time to of do the with show. the Great Commission. I see. Yeah, yeah. We were going through the the, uh, the prize box, and we realised we've just been talking about the Great Commission in our Encounter with God Bible study, and we actually have a DVD here about uh, two men who answered that call, that Great Commission. Um, <clears throat> it's a story of real inspiration and faith as two men humbly, step by step, move forward in God's calling to ministry. It's called the cornerstone story 
So it's a bit like a uh, like a, a testimony book, except it's actually a DVD and you get to watch it. So wonderful filming. Um, it's a story of Tony Rikers and Chris, Chris Clanky, and uh, and they have. Um, Enormous uh, public evangelism that they do over in uh, in in Africa in particular, but you know, through yeah, a lot of countries, Africa, India, South Pacific, all over yes, the place. Yes, and these were just two average guys, average blokes, couple of tradies, couple of tradies uh, got together and said, you know, we're going to do something for God, and they've done big things for God. They've done great things for yeah, God. God has really, really used them. It's such an inspiring story. And uh, if you would like to get a copy, we actually only have one copy of this DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can give us a call now. Be the first person to call through 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Um, or you can text us 0491-064-669. And, uh, and we'll send this to you in the post completely free of charge. Mm, there you go. Okay, so fantastic testimony. Great story there. Um, I'd encourage everybody to uh, have a crack at being the first caller through to get that one. And by the way, this isn't like you know some old timey missionaries like back no, in no, the day. No, no, this one's Livingston. still operating. These are, this is a they're these still, guys still are still alive. These are still doing mission trips every year. Yep, I remember when they first started. Oh yeah, I do. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. This is this is a current missionary story. This is a current current great commission story. So yeah, wonderful story. Fantastic. Okay, so um, give, be the first caller through and uh, that particular um, testimony is coming your way via DVD. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news with the live breakfast show. And uh, you can give us a call at any time throughout the day and ask questions about the Bible. You know, um, we use it for question of the day. Of course, you can answer our quiz tomorrow morning when we start the new one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, if you would like some more information about the Bible, you can contact us here as well. Absolutely. And if you are listening to the show and it is not the Thursday, the 5th of July, if it is uh, any other day other than that, then that means that you are listening to the delayed broadcast. So you need to... Uh, Jump across the live show. Yes, faithfm.com.au or via the TuneIn app. Or, hey, even if you've just got a dodgy signal. Yeah. If you're living on yeah. the edge of where you can just start to pick up the Faith FM signal and you're always c- complaining about how it drops out when you drive down the road, mm-hmm. simple solution. You are doing it wrong. You are doing it the old-fashioned way, the way people listen to the radio these days is on an app. So get the TuneIn app. It's a free app. You can get the free version of it on your phone and uh, then you simply run it through your um, through your car stereo, whatever it is, and your signal will never drop out. Yeah, I really like it because I listen to it um, through my Bluetooth in the car mm-hmm. and then when I get home, I still want to listen to it and so I just unplug it and then I have it playing on my phone. I put my phone in my pocket and I still got the show on and I go in the house and I do my dishes and I do my laundry and I listen to the show. It's really great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so grab those, uh, grab that app. Of course, if you go to the, if you go to download it, um, and it tries to charge you money for it, there's an X in the top corner. Just push that X, and from there on, it just plays for free. Yes, indeed. And uh, if you would like to do the Bible study series that I put together, um, the Prophetic Code series, and uh, would like more information about that, get in contact with us. We will uh, make that available to you in some way or another. You can uh, do that via correspondence, or we can possibly find someone in your local area who can share it with you. Great series of studies, The Prophetic Code, all about Bible prophecy. Have a good day.
fades away All flesh is like the grass The grass withers and fades away The glory of man like a flower That shrivels in the sun and falls The glory of man like a flower That shrivels in the sun and falls But the Can get 